lives. We want to be people that are happy having fun. So Lord, will you come and enable us to do that today? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Please do take a seat and um, we're going to be continuing with our, and completing today, our um, service, our series looking at uh, money. And if your money could talk to you, what would it say? And I started last week, so I thought, um, as I'd found loads of them, we'll have a few more jokes. Is that okay? Because I am amazing at telling jokes. Not. (laughs) So, where do bees keep their money? In a honey box, absolutely, in a honey box, okay. So, where do fish keep their money? In a riverbank. I'm just making sure you're paying attention, ready for the service. What is brown, has a head and tail, but no body? Yay. Yeah, there we go. So, there we go. A few little light things about money because not always is money a light-hearted topic, is it? We have difficulties maybe talking about money. And this series is really about allowing heaven to come into your finances. Does your money enable you to be obedient to God? Does your money demonstrate that you are a disciple of Jesus? Those are the questions that we're hoping that this series enables you to be thinking about. So some things that we've been saying to you over the last couple of weeks is that money adds meaning, but it's not the meaning of life. And Jane came and shared uh, with us on that day, money is a better servant than a master is what we looked at last week. And today it's really about who is controlling your money. And the thing is, the money and how we spend our money, our views on money, actually says a lot about who we are and whose we are. It says a lot about our character. And if your money could talk to you and talk to us, what would it say? And would what your money would say line up with what Jesus would say and what he encourages us to do about and with our money? So I wonder, how does money bring meaning to your life? How does the way you spend your money enable you to be a disciple? Because it does speak of your life. It, it does speak of who you are and what we do. I, um, when I was um, at Cosham, there was a gentleman and he asked me to be power of attorney for him. He was um, estranged from his family. His wife had died. He had no really relatives that he was in touch with. And reluctantly, I agreed. And time came and he passed away. And um, as I, I knew what he'd done, he'd left most of his money to various charities and his family really objected uh, when they, after he died and all the things that come up. And it was such a difficult time. But during his life, he would not spend money looking after himself. He would not pay for a care. He had more money. He had too much money for the um, 
what do they call it, the line, you know, the amount that you have to pay for it yourself, but he wouldn't, the threshold, thank you, he wouldn't, um, he had more money than it was the threshold, so he wouldn't pay for it himself because he, he didn't want to spend his money, he wanted to leave it to things, and he lived in a lot of difficulties, he lived lonely, he wasn't really able to um, cook for himself, and it was a nightmare to get things like Meals on Wheels organised for him and things like that because he just didn't want to do that. And it just made me sad. It was great that he left some money, but the legacy with his family and his life, when he could have had a much better life, he could have uh, enjoyed his life much better, um, was something that really stuck with me, that you don't want your family to be fighting after money after you've gone. So, yeah, it was great. He left some money to some charities and things, but, you know, at the same time, it was his money to spend on himself as well. So your money will leave a legacy, whether it's while you're alive or later on. And I wonder if, as we've been going through this series, you've thought about where, where you are. You know, is the series saying anything to you? Uh, maybe it isn't. Maybe you're thinking, oh, but I'm really good at my money, so why am I having to listen to this? And is it really three weeks long? Isn't there another subject coming up? All those things. Or maybe you're thinking, well, I'm not really a Christian, so I don't really, I'm not all that bothered about what Jesus has got to say about our finances. Or maybe you're one of those people who is in a bit of a mess right now and you've never really been taught how to look after your money. Maybe you're one of those people who are just worried that you don't have enough. You're worried about where the bills are coming. Maybe you're one of those people who constantly worries about money and is always, even though you have got enough money, you've got enough money to live on and feed yourself and all of these things, but money has got a bit of a grip on you and you're constantly worrying about where you are. Now, I like to set a good budget. I don't know what your process is. Steve's panicking now what I'm going to share. But I um, like to set a good budget and I like to look at it every month. Are we on track of where we are uh, with a budget? And I'm sure some of you might have your own ways. There's loads of apps now that you can do to track your money and all of those things. Their um, spreadsheets are wonderful, aren't they? Because you can have it all. And at the end of the month, my plan is, is I like to have a look. Were we on track? Did we do what we wanted to do? And I make some adjustments. And I just check a few things. And I think, okay, yeah, that's fine. I know where we are. And then I got to hear about a new thing that you can do. So I can't say, I've only just started doing this um, at the beginning of the year myself. So I can't say that um, I, uh, it has had a massive impact on me. But it's not something I've done forever because I've only just heard about this. And you may already do this because you're all super smart and smarter than me. But the advice is to actually write down, keep almost a ledger or whatever you want to do of every single penny that you buy. Knowing where your money goes is not the same as really writing it all out and knowing where it is. So every single penny that you spend, whether it's drawing out cash and spending it, whether it's, you know, you might have your credit card statement, you might be one of those people who says, I put everything on my credit card and I just pay that off at the end of the month. That's not the same. Yes, you might know, but it's not really knowing. And so the advice is, why not write down every single thing that you spend your money on? I was horrified. Too scared to share it to Steve at the moment. But there, you know, as we just kind of think about the money that we do spend, yes, we manage, we tithe, we give, but actually there are some areas that have highlighted to me, 
oh my gosh, that's how much I spend there, or that's not, I don't spend that bit there. So yes, you might be good at managing your money, you might be good at setting budgets, you might be knowing, knowing in your head with every penny, but when you have to sit and write it all out, or I actually wrote it in a little spreadsheet, whatever way you do it, is it has a better and more definite impact on it, on you, than just knowing. So can, that's my challenge for you today. Even if you just do it for two months, could I encourage you to write down every penny? With mobile apps and all the rest of it, it's really easy to see where your money's going and what your balance is and all the rest of it. That's not the same. It, that's not what we're talking about. Literally sit and write every penny out and see if it says true to anything. And if it does and you think, wow, that highlighted to me that we do spend a bit more on this, that and the other than I realised or not enough, then, then come and share it with me. I don't, I'm not going to share it with people, but I just want to know if you kind of take it up and if you've learned from it because I certainly did. And so I encourage you to do the same as well. And what's so important in this series is it's not that God wants you to give all your money to him or to church or charities. That is not the point of this service, uh, of this sermon series. And I'll explain a little bit more about that a bit further on. It's because money is going to compete for your character. Money is going to compete for your integrity. And money is going to be one of the things that gets you in a right mess. When we decide to walk away from God, when we decide to do things our own way, when we think it's fine and God's going to do that other bit, but money is a worldly thing and I'm going to manage it away from God, you are going to get into difficulties. You will have challenges when we don't submit all of our money to God. Gambling is one of the biggest growing addictions in this world. Young people from 11, 12 are having issues with slot machines and gambling and all the rest of it. Online giving, um, you know, online gambling games are the, the hugest rise that are affecting people. And now we're starting to see banks and credit cards and other on things where you can go in and block um, and you know, have your accounts and your details locked and things like that to help people cope with this. So do not be fooled that God is not interested in your money because it affects your character. God does not want you to be in bondage to money. Money should not be the thing that is the boss of you. When you think about what Jesus did for us, how Jesus came to set us free, he came to set us free from any bondage of money as well. When you think of how Jesus came to bring the kingdom of God near to us, so that when people were living in fear, when people were not sure what their future hold, when people looked at the way the world was organised and they saw that people had and people have not, and they thought, how unfair is this? How uh, unfair is it that people don't get to have the same resources all around the world? And God says, I'm turning that all upside down because I want you to come and live in my kingdom and understand how I operate and the things that I have for you. When we realise, even if we think we've been the best Christians since the day we were born, that actually all of us inside are a little bit broken. That all of us at some t stage in our life have decided, actually, I know better than God. When we've all decided, actually, there's a bit of me who doesn't want to give that part of my life to God because I just don't want to. I like having it all on my own. And actually, no. But God, I'm going to come to you when I'm sick. God, I'm going to come to, see, to you when I'm desperate. God, I'm going to come to you when I pray for my children. I'm going to pray for my loved ones and my family. 
but I can't come to you in this whole area of money. That's not what this is. This is not who God wants us to be in our kingdom. For me, life has always always been very black and white. You're either in or you're out. And if you're in God's kingdom, it's everything of who you are. He doesn't want to be a control freak. He just wants to love you. I love this expression of a tsunami of love around you and cuddling you. That's why I like that Psalm 91. He wants to put his arms around you and you can just rest in the peace of who he is, the peace of what he wants to offer you. So in this broken world, in this world where there are snares and traps coming at us from all other ways, we can just look at the cross of Jesus and know that it's all okay. Everybody will be determined by who they are by the cross of Jesus. Are you going to kneel at it? Or are you not? And the great news is, is that when we do, when we can submit everything to him, there is no need to worry. There is no need to be afraid because our God promises that he knows what you need and he's going to look after you. It's not what we want. I learned that. It's not what we want. It's what we need. And he doesn't want us to be afraid. He doesn't want us to go around flapping about our money all of the time. So what I want to do to help us understand a little bit bit more about where Jesus is coming from with this is to look at a familiar story that some of you will know. Um, It's from uh, the book of Matthew as it was written down, a historic account of people who were with Jesus. And he was in his last days. It's really important to understand where this text comes in. It's in Jesus's last few days on his advance into um, Jerusalem. And in this part, in this gospel, Jesus is doing loads of warnings, loads of things for us to be aware of, loads of things for us to concentrate on and think about who we are. Are we in the kingdom or are we not? And he says, again, this is Jesus speaking through all of this text up to verse 30. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. And to one he gave five bags of gold and the other two, and to another one bag, each according to to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, probably like Camille, you've seen this text being used to justify a whole host of things. I've seen it being used to justify gambling. I've seen this to be justified savings and investments and pensions. I've heard this text being used about our skills and our abilities. And in um, most translations, this is the Niv one, um, the five bags is, is of gold is referred to as talents because that is the co- coinage that was around when Jesus was um, on the earth. So let's carry on. And after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold and see, I have gained five more. And his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things and I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. 
The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold and see, I have gained two more. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Isn't that what we are hoping Jesus is gonna be saying to us when we see him? When we come face to face, when our day to go into glory comes, isn't that what you want him to say? Is to run up to you and go, I'm so glad you're here. Put his arms around you. Well done, my good and faithful servant. To me, that's what I'm hoping for when I get there. Not, who are you? His spirit replied, well done, good, his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things and I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. And then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I know that you are hard man harvesting when you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered, scattered seed. So I was afraid. And I went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. And his master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest when I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have even what they have will be taken from them and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gashing of teeth. You don't often see Jesus use harsh words like that. But here he is. The warnings are there for us about what we do, how we manage what we have been given. The one, the man who was looking after the one bag was playing it safe. And so he was worried. He was panicking. He was concerned about being judged for being self-sentenced. And he wanted to make excuses as he stood before God with why he had not done what he had been called to do and been asked to do. Obedience is the thing that Jesus asks us to do. Go and make uh, disciples. Teach them. Teach them to obey. Your obedience to God in all areas of your life is what I believe I'm here to help us with. It's about obedience. It's not about knowing it, as you know before. I'm not really impressed by anybody who knows lots of Bible and can recite it. Loads of people can read Bibles and and look at it. It's the application that you put in your daily life and how you live your life that will get you that accolade of well done, my good and faithful servant. Jesus has got this, as I said, in this passage here and where it's situated, it's full of warnings. So if you're in doubt, you need to act now. As we've gone through these series, I've tried to give you a couple of practical tips, the things that you might help. We don't have Frontline here anymore, but there are loads of other organizations we can uh, signpost you to in the city. We can pray with you and help you. Do not let money be the issue that comes between you and God. And if you're one of those people who've got too much money, too many savings, you need to be afraid as well because there are warnings about storing up your treasures here wrongly. 
come before God as well. When I was um, looking around at different churches for when I was coming out of college and having interviews, I was called for an interview at a church in North London. And, uh, and I thought, oh, I don't really fancy North London, but that's not the point. You go where God sends you. And, uh, and I was looking through and I, read, and I said, as I do to all the churches, can you send me your finances, please? I want to have a look through your accounts. And in it, they had three million pounds in the bank. And I was like, wow, <laughs> wow, what can you do here? And they had, they, and, the, and, and I said to God, this could be quite exciting. There's amazing the resources and the ministry that you can do with here. And as I pulled up, which is just as well, as I pulled up, literally, as I got out of the car, God said, this isn't for you. This is not your church. I was like, okay, this is going to be an interesting couple of hours. And as it happened, we, uh, and I shared with them, I felt that's what God had said to me as I arrived, so I didn't really want to put them through an interview that they didn't want to do. And so we talked about their finances. And they were like, well, we've been left money and we've invested it and it's just sitting there and we just don't know how to spend it. We don't know what to do. And I was very polite. I was tearing my hair out inside going... I've just stepped over two homeless people sleeping in your doorway. (laughs) I think God has resourced you to meet the needs of your community. This is what I would do if I was you. And we made out a little plan. And uh, I've been watching from afar what they do. So there are implications if you're just storing it in the bank as well. And that's why I say that to you. Your money will be a legacy of your life. And when you come face to face with Jesus, as we all will do, Whether you're a believer or not, you will come face to face with Jesus. Are you going to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant? Now, I hope that's helped just to outline how serious Jesus takes the idea of money. But this is not the point of the sermon today. We're just getting underway. We're just getting warmed up. Because I wonder, in the very first first verse, which was verse 14, did you notice anything? Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. How about now? Your money is not your money. Your house, your clothes, your books, your whatever. It's hard for me that my books aren't my books. They're not yours. Everything we have is God's. And he has trusted you with it. Yeah? He has said, here, look after this bit for me. Whether that comes through your paycheck, whether it comes through your benefits, pensions, Dave. Whatever it is, it's you have been... What a week to retire. (laughs) David has retired and the world broke. God has given things to us. They are his. They are not ours. He has trusted his wealth, his, your skills, your whatever you want to call it, whatever talents or bags of gold represents to you, it's all God's. And the thing is, he's asking you to look after it for him. He's asking you to be kingdom people. He's asking you to spend it as he would spend it. That's the point that God wants to make about money, is that when you think it's yours and it's nobody else's, it's a bit like loo rolls, isn't it? 
Yeah? All sorts of stuff goes on in our heads. All sorts of behavior happens because that's what the enemy wants, is he wants you to act rash, irrationally and think about yourself and be self-centered. That's not kingdom living. That's not who we are called to be. Everything is God. I don't, I, I was, I'll be honest with you, this is like one of the things I've been through this week, watching all the nonsense. And I've been in um, a hotel for a few nights and there were spare toilet rolls in the bathroom. And I was like, mm, I know I haven't been shopping for ages. We might be getting a bit low at home. <laughs> How am I going to get some? And I thought, I could take those two home, couldn't I? And I thought, I'm not that person. I am not doing this. I might regret that next week. I don't know. But I thought, I am not that person. And that's how the enemy gets in, isn't it? It's just those slight little things that he just says, it's fine. You can do it. You're all right. Nobody needs to know. You can manage this. doesn't matter whatever aspect of your life it is. This is how it works. When you think, actually, it's all God's. I'm looking after it. How much better do you look after somebody else's stuff than you do your own? Because you know you've got to give it back. That's the way we need to think about it. That's the way God wants us to focus on. He wants us to be responsible. He wants us, and this is the key thing, to be accountable. You're going to stand before him and he's going to say, and I'm not saying this to be fearful or to kind of have you be anxious about it. It's just to say, Jesus was really serious about this and you need to get serious about it as well. You need to think about who you are and how your money defines who you are. But most of all, you need to be right with God. You need to be thinking about who God is and who he is to you and how you let him speak into your life or not so the challenge is where is our master's money going so maybe if you weren't convinced to do the task earlier maybe you are now do stop and have a look because how you manage your money says a lot about it money allows us to add meaning but it is not the meaning of life being able to buy tomato, uh, tins of tomato juice and milk adds meaning and purpose to other people's lives because you have helped them via the food bank. Sending money to organisations like Tear Fund and Harvest India and Hope Into Action has meaning and purpose. It changes things. Let money help you have a meaning and a purpose of your life, not the sole focus. Money is a better servant than it is a master and most of all, it helps define and determine who you are and who you are in the kingdom of God. So I wonder if we could pray. Maybe you could close your eyes. If you want to stand up, then stand up. But I just pray, Holy Spirit, will you come near? And I encourage you to picture yourself sitting down with Jesus and ask him, Lord, what do you want to say to me about how I manage money?
If you're in some form of bondage to money, whichever way on the spectrum you ended up being, then come and ask for some help and get set free. If you want some help generally budgeting or working with your money, come and get some help. We can signpost you. If you want some prayer, come and speak to us at the end. Lord, we thank you that you have enabled us to live in the developed parts of the world where we worry about how much or how little rather than not having any at all. Lord, thank you that you have placed us in the parts of the world where we can get fed, where we can house ourselves. But Lord, we, as we read that parable, we're aware that the responsibility on us is greater to look after those who have not. So come, Lord Jesus. Speak into our hearts and minds and allow us to grow 